brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Warshow, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here today to discuss really two things. Uh, we'll start by talking about the new Titans uniforms that were unveiled Wednesday night in downtown Nashville. And then we are going to uh, continue our, our preview of the upcoming NFL draft by diving deep into the inside linebacker position because... I think everyone is in agreement that even after the signing of, of Will Compton, the Titans still have a very big hole at inside linebacker. Because even though we don't think Avery Williamson was very good, he was the starter. And I don't know that Jayon Brown is an every down player yet. Maybe eventually, but not quite yet. So uh, before we talk about that position, uh, let's talk about the new uniforms. Um general consensus from what I heard from people last night was they like the uniforms, they like the sword print on the sleeves, but everyone that I talked to just about told me that they wish there was more red on, on the uniforms. What do you guys think? Yeah, I actually tweeted from the Titans account that we wanted more red because I think pretty much everyone wanted a little bit more red and we were a little bit surprised not to see it. Um, that said, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the uniforms. I thought when the leaks came out, I thought it was the worst uniform of all time, worst jersey of all time. Uh, it's just, it did not look good. I agree. Um, and I, I, yeah, they did not look good in the leaks at all. Um, but once they were on the players, I, I thought they looked pretty, pretty fresh, pretty modern. Um, the thing I still don't like about them is that like the sides, uh, right under like the shoulders, um, it's like a different, it's a different color, uh, than the actual shoulders and that, uh, than the actual Jersey. I don't know who, who, who decided on that. Uh, but regardless, I, I really like the gray, the gray accents on the shoulders. I think it looks good. Uh, and mo- most importantly, the helmet looks absolutely awesome. Yeah. The helmet's great. I mean, I've talked before, I'm not a fashion guy. I don't care. I mean, I've said, I don't care if we go out with trash bags, you know, as long as we win, I'll go out and buy some hefties. Like that's, that's kind of my stance on the whole thing. Like <laughs> if you, if you play good and you, the, the Patriots have one of the most boring bland uniforms in the NFL and they routinely win championships. So I don't care that much. The trash um, bags, right? 
Yeah, like having having said that, like I mean, I really like the helmets. I really like the dark on dark, um, mm-hmm. and I really like the white on white a lot because uh, I'm a Tennessee Vols fan, so my history is kind of colored by that. Like the coolest uniforms that I can remember us wearing were the black ones that they wore with Lane Kiffin. Um, a lot, a lot of people either don't like them or they love those. And I was at the game and I, you know, we had a really good game and it was one of the few really good games we had. So I, you know, I really like those uniforms. So I've always liked the dark, especially when you play more night games, which is heightens will. Um, so well, I, I don't, we I don't, said that last year and then there, one of their night games was against uh, the Jaguars. Right? No, the Colts. The Colts. Oh. Colts. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true, but you know, this year we lost to the Patriots in the playoffs, whereas last year we, you know, lost because Marcus Mariota got hurt. Anyway, yeah, th- this team is much more watchable now <laughs> with Mike Brable than it was with Mike Malarkey at the helm. So I think we'll see some changes. I don't know. I mean, maybe we get like three or four nighttime games. That's a pretty good amount. Yeah. Not, not that that's mm-hmm. weird when we started this, but the, helmets, uh, the, the uniforms look cool. <laughs> that's the best part. The, the, one, mm-hmm. the, the one bone I had to pick with the uniforms was uh, on, on Marcus Mariota's specifically. Like I'm looking at Kevin Byard's right now, and I think it looks really cool. I love the, the, like the silver toning on the sleeve, and I like the, the red mm-hmm. Nike swoosh. I just think the number eight looks weird. It looks like off-centered almost. Yeah, a lot of people have been have been uh, have a gripe with the numbers. Personally, I don't mind them because I didn't like the numbers before, and I think these are, I don't know, they're, they're different at least. You know, they they have a lot of sharp edges and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you. The Bayard, the are if you're talking about the all uh, all navy one, that is just that's one of the nicest uniforms I've ever seen. Yeah. In football, to be completely honest with you, especially with the with the navy helmet, and it helps that the person under the uniform is one of the best safeties right. in the league. Just a player, yeah, or just a fan, dripping swag. Just a fan, yeah. <laughs> Which he, he in in the video that they showed last night before the uh, the event started, Byard was wearing a shirt that said "Just a fan." Just a fan, yeah. yeah. That was an awesome little dig at uh, at Deion Sanders, who doubled down on his. Uh, <laughs> on his uninformedness, I don't. I don't know the, what he's the doing, same. Man. The same person. Now, granted, I think Deion Sanders is maybe the best player to ever put on a helmet, but his uh, takes uh, are uh, so bad. Like yeah, this is Deion the guy did. who said that Terry Robisky needed to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. Reggie White is the best player to ever put on a football helmet. Um, okay, I, I, I I'll take that. Yeah, just in terms of pure dominance. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like the whole, like, the fact that we keep giving him attention, but every time I think it's going to fade away, he says something stupid, or people remember that he said something else that was stupid, <laughs> and it makes me go at him all over again. But, you know, I mean, I guess if you don't want to watch football, but you want to talk about football, the NFL Network's a great place to do it for him, but I, I don't know how they can keep him and not just publicly just – disgrace and it's so embarrassing like to talk about an all pro safety and act like you first of all to not know who he is and second of all to instead of just saying oh i apologize you know i was thinking you know kevin byard third round draft pick small school kid came out of nowhere i could maybe understand how a casual fan or perhaps on his worst day an analyst 
might not realize who Kevin Byard is on Twitter. What I don't get is the doubling down, number one. And number two, he didn't know who Harrison Smith was either. Yeah. Harrison Smith is a better player than Kevin Byard, the best safety in the NFL now that Earl Thomas can't stay healthy. Like that was what was more shocking to me than anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, it wasn't even surprising to me. Just because, I mean, this happens in pretty much every sport and on like major national networks. I'm going on a on a side tangent rant here, but uh, but I need it because it's just ridiculous. These former players, just by virtue of being former players, get these these big jobs at these big networks to analyze analyze sports and analyze games and players and they don't even do their homework and they just get by just by being uh by having been in the league before and honestly it's kind of ridiculous and it puts a lot of good a lot of good analysts who do their homework do their research and are really good at their jobs and and there uh, definitely are some good ones like uh, no yeah brian baldinger is an outstanding former player analyst um Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I like Marshall Falk, Ladanian Tomlinson, Steve Smith. Uh, yeah. Really good. David Carr is pretty good too. They're 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 good if, ones if on the NFL network. If you go to the, the baseball side of thing, I like uh, Pete Rose. I like uh, Alex Rodriguez. Those are some some good mm-hmm. former player analysts. But there is a lot of garbage with with the good stuff. Yeah, it's but it is what it is. That's uh. That's the the country we live in, I guess, or pretty much any country that happens. Maybe. But regardless, the <laughs> the uniforms look nice, yeah, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um. So so let's move into the NFL draft and talk about the inside linebacker position. So instead of just us kind of shouting out our rankings and oh, I like this player, don't you know? Let Let's go player by player, kind of with the top five or six guys. Because no one listening to this, I'm sure, cares about, you know, dude who might sneak into the sixth round if he's lucky. We're just going to talk about the big guys. And we're going to start with pretty much the consensus number one at inside linebacker, Roquan Smith from Georgia. Um, I'll I'll share my thoughts and then let you guys take over. Um, Roquan Smith, I mean, he, he checks every box. He might be the cleanest prospect in the entire draft other than Quentin Nelson and that, like, there's really nothing in his game you wish was better. But the thing about him is he does play a position inside linebacker that's not incredibly valuable today. And unless he becomes Luke Keekley, who really transformed that Panthers defense when he got there, how much value is there in an inside linebacker? And though he might be really good and go to six or seven Pro Bowls, is that top five worthy? Is that top ten worthy? I mean, it depends what your team needs are. Um, uh, for the Titans, it'd be worthy, I think so, yeah. But we have the 25th pick, and we won't have the opportunity to get to get him. Um, but I do see what you're saying. I don't know if he's going to be Luke Keekley. I could see him being sort of like um, uh, Deion Jones, who plays for the Falcons right now, who's a really fast linebacker. I read a comparison uh, of him to Thomas Davis. I mean, I'd be excited about having Thomas Davis on my team. That, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Thomas Davis thumps a lot harder than I think Roquan Smith does consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Roquan, Roquan Smith is probably more athletic, uh, yeah. quicker player. Um, gets side gets sideline to sideline probably probably a little bit faster. But Thomas Davis is a little bit bigger than Roquan Smith. I think Roquan's not like overly big. What was he like six one two twenty five? You gotta keep in mind Thomas yeah. Davis played safety in college. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, true. 
I'm so not, I mean, maybe it's an apt comparison. Smith's a real. I mean, for what the NFL will be over the next ten years, Smith is part of that new prototype. He's super yeah. athletic, can cover everybody. I mean, you can split him out versus the slot. But but he's can, not like a a. Uh, uh, who was the guy from LSU last year? Not Deion Jones two years ago. The one this past year. Oh, um, King? Duke Riley. Duke Riley. Duke Riley. Yeah. Uh, he's not like a Duke Riley in that you pick him for mm-hmm. his speed, but you worry about him against the run. Like he's really right. solid in coverage, and he's going to be just fine. You know, filling his gaps in the run game. Like like Smith has sand. Like he he's not going to just get like knocked off. I mean, he's not the guy who's going to get driven three yards in the end zone on a goal line play. Yeah. Like that's not who he is. Like he's athletic enough to make plays on sideline to sideline, which almost always should equal a first round grade. Cause if you can do that in college and if you've got the range to make those kind of plays, that's something that's so rare in the NFL that, I mean, it's, you've got to kind of get it where you can get it. But what really makes him special is he can cover. And if you get him at a bad angle and you're running back, he's going to knock. I mean, he'll hit you now. He's not consistently going to thump. He'll get a lot of side tackles and stuff like that. But if you catch him wrong and you think you're going to run over him, you are incorrect. Yeah, and if he if he gets like a head of steam, like a couple, like ten or more yards, um, a, a run up before he hits you, he's going to knock you knock you on your ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's another linebacker we'll talk about in a second that I think is one of the biggest flaws, but one of Smith's biggest strengths is his football IQ. Like he knows he can see, okay, these are the steps offensive linemen take when it's a zone, a zone run to the left. This is what a pull block looks like. Okay. There's two guards pulling. I know my job is to stay inside the second one. Like you can tell from last year to this year, how much better he's gotten and how much more he understands the defense he's in. That's not something that all linebackers get. There's three, four-year starters that don't end up stepping as quickly to stuff as he does, which when you play Alabama, the only way you're going to make plays against Alabama and Oklahoma with how they play that offense is you've got to react instantly and you can't get a step behind. And he did a really good job in those games. So I'm, I really think that's something that doesn't get talked about because he's so athletic. But, I mean, it's a big part of his game. I think he's the kind of player where whoever takes him, uh, the coach and general manager are going to be pumping their fists. Because if he goes in the top ten, they're going to think that he's worth a top ten pick and be very excited because they have an inside linebacker for the next ten years. And if it's someone outside of the top 10, they're going to be pumping their fists because, oh my goodness, this guy who we thought we'd never have a shot at has fallen to us somehow. Right. I mean, and there's like, I, I can see like someone like getting Quentin Nelson and being like, well, you know, we really wanted this person, but we had to get the guard, you know, whatever. But I, I think it, it, it would be hard to be unhappy for whoever ends up with him. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say is if you're going to take Quentin Nelson in the top 10, why not just take a line? I mean, there's no team that's so good that they should prefer a guard to a playmaking linebacker. I mean, especially not in the top 10. Like every one of those teams could use another great linebacker. Even San Francisco, if San Francisco ends up uh, taking him and putting him with uh, Reuben Foster – I mean, if Reuben Foster stays out of trouble and all that kind of stuff, that'll be the most athletic, aggressive linebacking group in the NFL on a team that already has a number one linebacker. So you don't need to limit yourself. Whereas if you have a guard, you can only play as well as your weakest offensive lineman. 
Because if you're a defensive coordinator, you can scheme against, okay, this uh, in <laughs> when I was a coach, we called him the donkey. So you've got studs and you've got donkeys, and your job as a defensive coordinator is to find the donkey and go after him. If you've got some undrafted right guard and Quentin Nelson at left guard, they're just going to put a bunch, they're going to put in Dom Kinsu on the undrafted right guard. I mean, it sounds great to say, we're gonna and then, and then they're going to have Aaron Donald to put on the, the other guard. Yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> I'll put Jarrell Casey. But the point is, is like it sounds good to say we're going to take a guard so that we neutralize the you know Geno Adkins. That's great. But Geno Adkins can just play on the other side. Like it's not it, it, that that's not how the game works. If you've got a really good middle linebacker, or if you've got two really good inside linebackers in a 3-4 look, there's nowhere to hide from those guys. So that that's why I think you take the risk on somebody like Roquan Smith because there's no such thing as safe picks in the NFL. You know, ask Greg Robinson how it feels being a safe pick. So I don't understand in, how Greg Robinson was a safe pick. That, I mean, that, I mean that's see, like that, saying Cam Robinson was a safe pick. Pretty much the same it, player. It's like saying – I uh, mean. Aaron Curry back in the day was like the safest pick possible, and he right. was a massive so, bust. Yeah, so take your chance on a linebacker. And am, if I, am I crazy to say that the safest pick in this draft? Well, I, I think Roquan Smith is the safest pick, but other than him, maybe Josh Rosen might be the safest pick. Josh Rosen's only thing is, and I don't think we'll do a quarterback episode so we can talk about it. Josh Rosen's only thing <laughs> is he's going to have a personality, which we've all talked about before, that you know, if you put him with an 80-year-old head coach, you know, if you put him with Mike with, Malarkey and Terry Robisky. Yeah, like he's going to get pissed off because he knows it's a bad scheme and they're <laughs> going to get pissed off because he won't march along to the way that, he, you know, he beats his drum. Yeah. And if you put him with Belichick, like he would he would have to just let McDaniels deal with him. He wouldn't deal with him himself because it'd make him too aggravated. But, you know, we're seeing a new wave of coaches, so that shouldn't be a problem. But, you, I mean, you never know if – if he goes to Cleveland, which he won't, even though he should, if he goes to Cleveland and they win three games this year, even though he's pretty good, and they fire Hugh Jackson, and instead of going young, offensive-minded guy, they go old, defensive-minded guy, which is what happens in organizations, then, you know, now, I mean, now you put him in a position to fail, and all of a sudden you get a pick who's labeled a bust, who ends up having a good career for another team, and you've screwed yourself twice. Yeah. Let's move on to the next inside linebacker. Let's stay in the SEC and talk about uh, Rashawn Evans from Alabama. Um, he's a kind of guy, I said this a minute ago, I think he's fine at what he does, and I think he's a good football player. I just don't know that what he does is very valuable. So I'm not like low on Ro- I'm not low on Rashawn Evans in the sense that I think he's overrated. I think like his his style of play is overrated because what he does he does really really well. He is a you know that that thumper you know tone setting inside linebacker. In ten years ago, maybe I would have a different opinion on Rashawn Evans, but in today's NFL, I would rather have one of the the sideline to sideline type of players. I I think he has a potential to maybe only be a two down threat. At inside linebacker, I don't know. I just don't know how valuable his skill set is. It's he's good at what he does, but I don't know that what he does is valuable. Yeah, I'm kind of. I don't know how I feel about Rashawn Evans, to be honest with you. Uh, so when I watch him play, he's like he's very fast and he's very aggressive. Um, when he's when he's charging towards the sideline from the middle of the field, um, in coverage, I don't think he's terrible. 
uh, but really nothing special. Um, the one thing about him that's that's really good is his his blitzing ability. Um, I think PFF had a stat. Uh, yeah, he was the the he had the highest pass rush productivity among uh, eligible draft eligible linebackers. Um, and you can see it on tape. He's actually very good when when uh, when he's brought on blitzes or even just rushes off the edge. Um, so he's definitely a player that would intrigue Mike Rabel uh, and Dean. Um, from multiplicity look that they that they want to bring, um, but but I don't think he's all that aggressive when he's going north to south like, like traditional linebackers do, um, and I'm not sure if I, I'd be willing to spend the 25th pick on him. Um, I mean, he's really big. He, I don't know if he's if he's I, I don't know. I'm just that that the 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 inability to go north south and just stick your head stick your head in the run game um, and attack uh, through the line of scrimmage uh, is something that we didn't really see Avery Williamson do that much, even though PFF would like, would like to tell you that he did. Um, and I just don't know how much of an upgrade Rashawn Evans would be uh, over Avery Williamson. And when you're spending the 25th pick, uh, you want a huge upgrade. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I'm sold on I, him I'm yet. I'm with uh, you on that. I agree a hundred percent. So, yeah. We're going to have a different opinion here. I would now. I wouldn't spend the uh, 25th overall pick, but <laughs> the latest buzz is that because he didn't run at Alabama's pro day, there there was a second pro day, and there were a couple of people that were supposed to run, and neither one of them ran. And it was him and somebody else, and I can't remember who. But that really pissed off some scouts and some guys, mm. you know, GMs and stuff. That's from uh, draft analyst. I forget the web website, but Tony Pauline. Yeah, Tony Pauline's site. Yeah. Um, I think it's called Draft Analyst. I could be Draft wrong. Draft Analyst, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but they, which does the best work in the off season in terms of like tracking pro days and all. That. I don't know how they get as much information as they get. I mean, they he must know somebody from every team. And when when you look at his, you know, buzz and the stuff he talks about, he generally predicts all the stuff that nobody else does. So, I mean, you should follow him and look that up. But according to him. Uh, people really pissed off about that. Now they think that he might be a second round guy or a lower second round guy, hmm. which is great news because that's kind of exactly yeah. what it would take him. Like we talked about it before, he is not a guy who can play inside in a three four. That's just not really kind of what you want there. What you want in a guy's uh, inside a three four is you want them rangy and athletic enough to cover if they have to. I don't think that's his game. Now he can play yeah. on third down you because you can line him up at you know edge or you can blitz him or whatever because he is really good at you know he uses his hands well for a linebacker he you know is really good i mean he's got the right size I and mean, he's he i mean he's six three what 240 something like that i mean he's he's not small yeah and you know he want when he's side to side he does want to be aggressive because he plays what's called inside out so he'll play using the sideline as an extra defender um, and that, that sideline gets shorter and shorter, the more boundary people you have. So like, let's say he's pursuing a running back over to Logan Ryan's side. If Logan Ryan gets the outside of the wide receiver blocking him and sets that edge and squeezes, which is what his job is on an outside run 90% of the time, which in Logan Ryan does a good job at that. If he can set that, that forces the running back to cut inside and not use the whole width of the field. And he does a really good job of when those running backs have to cut it up of just punishing them, which is great. I mean, that's exactly what you want from an inside linebacker in a four, three scheme, because you've got outside linebackers setting that edge and doing all that. So his fit with this off defense would be weird because 
on third downs, he would probably play outside linebacker. I mean, he probably and, and, and I think that would be the case with him with a lot more teams than just the Titans. That's why I'm not huge on him. Yeah, and but I mean, I think I think if you're creative, you can use him on third downs and you can make him a full time player. But unless you have a special talent, when defensive coordinator has to scheme a game plan for you, it's generally an issue with you. Yeah. So those guys shouldn't be drafted in the first round just in terms of principle. So I'm with you. I wouldn't spend the 25th pick because that's where you want a guy who can do everything and who can make your job easier as a defensive coordinator. So no, I, I but having said that, if the Titans trade down and want to pick up some extra picks, um, because I believe the Patriots have two second round picks for what it's worth. John Robinson's best friends. Um, but if he wants to do that, that's a guy I can say, okay, we'll go ahead and draft your pass rusher with your first pick, and then one of those two second round picks take him, and then you've kind of you know set yourself mm-hmm. up for success. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I think his floor is Avery Williamson, and that's I mean that's something the Titans don't want to go through again. Um. Let's move on to um, someone we kind of talked about earlier disagreeing on a little bit. Leighton Vander Esch from, uh, from Boise State. He was a bit of a one-year wonder in college, which ever since the Kevin Dodd fiasco, that term kind of scares me in, in general. Um, he's got good size. He's decently athletic. But similar to Rashawn Evans, I think he's more – traditional than modern when it comes to the inside linebacker position and why well I think he has value I don't know that his value is you know where the Titans are or necessarily in round one at all yeah so it's gonna sound like I pretty much don't like any of the linebackers in this draft uh and it might be true but I think in general I just I'm so I'm so over like like linebackers in general in the NFL. I yeah. just think they're so devalued, um, and I don't see a lot of game changers out there, even in the NFL as is. And I mean, I like think about it. The, the Bears the gave up all this money a couple of years ago for Danny Trevathan in free agency. How much did yeah. he impact that defense? None. Nothing. I haven't even heard from him except for that Devontae Adams hit. And he's a good player. He proved it in Denver. He's a good football player. But. but. Also, they also had Jarrell Freeman. How many times yes. were the Titans exposed by Avery Williamson in coverage? Good okay, point. but that's the thing. Good you point. don't need a star. You don't need Ryan Shazier or Luke Keekley, but you don't need. You don't want Avery Williamson. You have to find a happy medium. You don't have to have the elite guy, but you don't want a deficient person. But think about how much better that team is with Ryan Shazier. I mean, that defense is substantially better with a Ryan Shazier. But Ryan Shazier's not in this draft class. Yeah, I was about to say. Well, Ryan Chazier, Ryan Chazier was the 20-something pick, wasn't he? I mean, it's not like true, he was yeah. the number one overall pick. I mean, Roquan Smith can't be Chazier. I, I don't know that's true. But I, I think mean, he can be. Okay, Leighton Van Der Esch is him, not though, going not to be sure. Chazier. No, but he could be Luke Keekley. Ooh, that's a hot Ooh, take. Ooh, hot take. That's, that's how All he right. I, I mean, if we want to get right into it, like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, First of all, he's going to interview with Vrabel and Robinson later this week. I think they, I think somebody said that he has uh, interviews with everybody from pick 10 to pick 26 or something. So that would include us. He's going to interview with them, and he's a former walk-on who <laughs> ended up finally earning a spot. You know, we, we talked about this with uh, Mello. You know, he's – I mean, he's the perfect fit for that kind of uh, – 
mentality that John Robinson and Vrabel have. Yeah. Second of he's his game versus Oregon, which it was his last game, this was his bowl game, where I mean he'd put it together all season. He had a really good season this year as, in his first year as a real starter, but the game versus Oregon was just like, okay, if you thought my season was good, this is a preview of what I'm going to look like next year. And he was it was fantastic. Yeah, it was maybe, it was one of the top three performances I saw of any player at any position in this draft. I mean, he was all over the place. He was causing fumbles. When he wasn't making tackles, he was forcing the running back or the wide receiver to another guy who was making that. I mean, he was everywhere. He looked like Luke Keekley's best games in college. Like he just, and you can see that. In him. I mean, you can see, you know, when he flows, you know, the way he reads things. It just, it all looks so smooth. And the fact that all he talks about is how much he likes working and getting better and all this stuff. And you see that his neck is like two feet wide because <laughs> all he does is work out. Like, He's yeah, Thad Castle from Blue Mountain State. That's exactly who he is, and there's pictures where he looked exactly <laughs> like him. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he blew up the combine, even though nobody really seemed to have noticed. He, I mean, for you know, being almost 260 pounds, I mean, he ran a 4.6540 and a 6.88 three cone. That, I mean, if he was lining up at defensive end, he'd be one of the most athletic defensive ends in this class. So. Not in this class, sorry, in the NFL. He's really good. Like, you just don't get a 260-pound guy who runs a 6.883 cone. So, I, I don't know. I, I get that some people are down on him because, you know, he has games. Like, his game versus BYU was not good for whatever reason. But even then, he was still, like, as good as Tremaine Edmonds is in most games. You know, so it's it's – He's getting this really weird knock on him for being a one-year starter. But J.J. Watt was really a one-year starter. I mean, not that he's J.J. Watt, but not every one-year guy with a lot of production is a bust. It Maybe it's just that he finally got his pace on the field, and that's kind of how I feel with Vander Esch. Uh, he's a bit – I'm not going to say he's a, like, a, like a tough eval, but it is, it is a bit uh, – it's hard because like I, I don't think he really got tested all that much. Um, because maybe because he only started one year. Uh, but but when I saw his games, he really didn't get tested all that much in coverage. Uh, but whenever he does draw back, I, it just doesn't look natural. Probably because he's just so big. Uh, but I mean, he tested off the charts. So maybe at the next level, that's something that that he won't be a liability in. Um, but uh, I don't I don't hate him by any means. I actually think he's very good, uh, particularly in the run game. Uh, he's always seeking first contact with the ball carrier. Uh, he's really strong at the point of attack, at the point of contact with blockers. Really doesn't get moved off the ball at all. Um, he's a pretty effective blitzer. Did really didn't blitz him all all that much. Uh, and he's a really good tackler. So I wouldn't hate him at all. He also had five sacks and three interceptions over his last two seasons, uh, which is really impressive considering he only started in one of those um, uh, for the duration of one of those. So I like him. I wouldn't be too upset if we took him at twenty five. Uh, but like I said, it's just it, I, I'm just I don't know about the value of a, of an inside linebacker at 25, uh, especially if if they don't show in college to be uh, that adept um, in coverage. Even though he didn't really have, have the opportunity to show it off. Let's move yeah, on yeah. to someone that that Will mentioned a second ago, um, yeah. Tremaine Edwards from Virginia Tech. 
I would rather, you know, when I when I look at a first round draft pick, I want someone that is going to have a high impact on my football team. I can find a, a quality starter in the second round and even in the third round. And, you know, I can get a project in the fourth round or the fifth round. But in the first round, I want someone that is going to come in and from day one impact my football team. A quarterback, a pass rusher. And, and you know, when you talk about the inside linebacker position, the only way I see that happening, that someone could come in and, and have a high impact on my football team, is if it's someone like a Roquan Smith who does everything really well, or if it's someone like a Tremaine Edwards who has sideline to sideline speed, can cover, though he's a little oddly sized for the position. I just think someone like him has more value in the NFL draft than a Rashawn Evans, than a Leighton Vander Esch. And also, so, I, I saw but, a comparison of him to uh, to K.J. Wright, which gets me really excited. Hmm. I love K.J. Wright. The reason I'm a little skeptical about Edmonds coming in and, and having that impact right away is just because he's so young. I mean, he's 19 years old, uh, and he's really raw, so sometimes he doesn't take the proper angle or make the right decision, and his play recognition skills cotton need to improve a little bit but i mean that's going to come with time he's 19 years old i i mean that's something you can you can absolutely work on um Wait, but his 19? upside is tr- 19 years old yeah, on draft day he's going to be 19 years old how old was he when he started college 15 i have no idea i think it was like 17 he only played three years did he go to high school possibly not <laughs> we don't know <laughs> never know yeah he went <laughs> um Okay, so I'm sorry, Matias, I cut you off. Uh, yeah, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say some of his positives and why I really like him. Um, even, even though he's got like a, a, a kind of, it's, it's not exactly a thin frame. Uh, it's just really long. He looks like Slenderman uh, when <laughs> yeah. he has his, when he has his arms by his side. It's crazy. Um, but he anticipates really well in coverage. Um, he's incredibly incredibly quick he gets to pretty much every stretch player outside run that that there is um and he doesn't get moved by blockers at all i don't i don't see people really pushing him out of the way um he's smooth in space in space um especially when he's used as a as a quarterback spy from time to time and he was fan really really productive 30 and a half tackles for loss 10 sacks and three forced fumbles over his last two seasons so he's someone i, I i'm not expecting him to fall to 25 but if he's there, he'd be one of my one of my top um, my top options. Okay, so I'm gonna get real negative here because I don't like Edmonds at all, really. I mean, if I'm if, if he falls to us in the second round, I would maybe take him. But um, so we talked about Smith's football IQ. I don't see that with Edmonds at all. There's a lot mm-hmm. of times where he'll run the wrong way when there's the play is going the other way. He'll run the other way and he'll do it consistently. It's not like it was one time in a game plan where he saw that teams like to do reverse. We floated out with the quarterback on bootlegs. He'll just run the wrong way and he's really athletic. And I mean, when I say he runs the wrong way, I don't mean he sprints to the sideline in the wrong direction, but he'll take three or four wrong steps and then realize, and he won't make the tackle. So, when I see a guy like that, it's like when I see a guy who jumps off sides a lot on the defensive line. Like it really makes me nervous that he's just guessing and getting right, which is a huge no-no. Because in the NFL, if you take one wrong step, you're in trouble. Um, 
So that's that's one of my main issues with him because now you're taking a guy who's 19 years old and you're saying, okay, now you're going to play in the NFL, so I hope you really understood college, which I don't think he does. I think he's just really athletic and really long, which helps him kind of make up ground. So now you're saying, okay, you're going to be our starter and you're going to be our linebacker that we build our defense around. Then you've got a 20, you know, I think he'll be 20 before the season. Yeah, he'll be 20 before the season starts. Um, he, he, he only turns, uh, he turns 20 like three days after the draft, which is, I mean, 19 is 19, but um, I don't know. So like people are really excited about his upside because he's young and he's athletic and he's long, but they're kind of leaving out the fact that he's going to take a lot of polish at the next level. It, you're going to have to, kind of baby him the first year just to kind of make sure that he's not put in a position to fail. And for as good as he is in the pass game, he has, for a career, he has six pass deflections and one interception in 29 games started. To refer, to put that kind of in perspective, last year, just last year, not for his whole career, Van Der Esch had seven pass deflections and three interceptions. So that as as good as he looks in coverage, he's not tipping passes away. He's not intercepting the ball. And there's an argument to be made that maybe people don't throw it that way. But when you watch the film, it really doesn't look like people are avoiding him intentionally. So I, I don't know. I don't see where people see kind of this guy who should be on par with Roquan Smith. And I think he's more in the Rashawn – like, he and Rashawn Evans would be a perfect combination for a team because they kind of do what the other doesn't. But I don't think either one of them is the complete package, and I have them rated pretty similar on my board. Um, yeah. A couple more players I want to hit on, and then I'll have you very briefly just kind of pick one of all the players we've talked about who you think would be the best fit at 25 for the Titans. Uh, Malik Jefferson. Rare kind of guy where I sit there and I'm like, man – I, I, this is just could be a home run prospect. He's 6'2", 240, ran a four five two in the forty yard dash. I mean, he he ha, has the ability to have an incredible impact in the NFL. He's built physically to be this modern linebacker that I've been talking about for the last thirty minutes. But then you turn on the tape and you're like, what happened? Like, wh- where did all that where did all that speed go? Where did the athleticism go? Where did the 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 size go? The physicality go? reminiscent and I hate to use this comparison I'm not I'm not comparing him at all because the player that I'm about to mention sucks Obi Melifonwu he reminds me of a little bit in that combine warrior top notch in terms of athleticism but is he actually a good football player you know I would be willing to take a flyer on him maybe as high as as early round two but I don't know. What do you guys think about Malik Jefferson? One of the more polarizing prospects that I've, I've seen thus far in the process. Yeah. No. When I've seen when I've seen him in games, it's it's maddening because I don't understand. He's so fast. He's so big, um, and his production is outstanding. Um, he had 13 sacks throughout college, 26 tackles for loss. Um, he's pretty good in coverage, um, but in in most of the games I watch, they just use him. As a blitzer for half of the time, uh, they don't they don't even want to play him in linebacker, and a lot of that is because he kind of goes invisible from time to time throughout these games where he's contributing really like nothing in the run game. He's not really making tackles or anything. Uh, uh, it's not like he's he's not trying, but he, he's not just making an impact at all. Um, and given his his measurables, 
um, just how fast he is, how strong he is, you would expect him um, to be making a huge impact, and he doesn't uh, whenever I watch him. So I don't I don't know where you take that type of player. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, his athleticism is, is, is unmatched at the position. Um, and, I mean, if you can get him playing, playing loose, playing free, then he is going to be – almost a pro bowler at the next level, but I just don't know if you can, if you can take that risk so high in the draft. Yeah. I mean, we, we are almost, and we've talked about him before. We've, we've been on kind of the same page with him forever. When, mm-hmm. you know, you come in and you have all these lofty expectations and stuff, it, it kind of sucks. Cause if you don't have a great career, then, you know, people get disappointed in you. I remember when people were touting him as the next Jalen Smith and, uh, I mean, he was supposed to be the next linebacker that everybody was excited to take in the top five, and he never became that guy. He's super athletic, which is great, but when your coaches have to blitz you because in your third year on that in in college defense, you can't figure out what your reads are, that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and it's hard to watch. You just see him get blitzed over and over and over trying to get him to make a play by beating somebody with his athleticism. Well, I want you to answer this question. I'm really interested to hear your answer. Would you, if the Titans are playing a game tomorrow, no, let's give them a month. Let's give them a month to to prepare. Titans are playing a game in a month. Would you rather have an inside linebacker opposite Wesley Woodyard, Malik Jefferson, or Miles Jack? This is tough for Will. Tough for Will. Because <laughs> I think the answer is easy. I think I'd obviously take Miles Jack, but I'd take Miles Jack as well. Wait, who'd you say first? Malik Jefferson. Malik Jefferson. Or Miles Jack? Yeah. I was trying to figure out if there's a third option. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, Avery Williams. Okay, no. Yeah, Avery Williams. Uh, no, I mean, I guess you take Malik Jefferson because wow. I know Miles is bad at football. I don't know that Jefferson is going to be bad at football. Plus, I've seen Miles Jack try to blitz before and just get stoned and fall on the ground. I mean, <laughs> he's not good. Like, I mean, I would just move whoever I had playing safety down because you'd get the same effect and you wouldn't have to spend a first or second round pick on the guy. Like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's weird that people think uh, Miles Jack is good and he's really good in coverage and all that, but like, he has less career. He had less career interceptions in college than Shaquem Griffin, Griffin did, and he has one hand. Like. It's it's really weird that people I don't know. I, I understand that he sounds real good on paper and that because people called him the next Ray Lewis uh, before the draft and all that crazy stuff happened that when he makes two or three plays versus the Steelers in a game that maybe people think he's good but he's just not that dude. Like it, it really helps when you're the sixth best player in your front seven. And and now Paul Pozlesny's gone, so I guess he's the seventh. But I, I mean, I don't know. It, it it's it's weird to me that people think he's good still. Before we go, um, quickly, I want you to give me who if if he's there at twenty five. Let's assume Roquan Smith is off the board. If he's there at twenty five, which of these guys? And you can even list one that we haven't talked about. We we didn't get time to talk about Josie Jewell, who's someone that I like a little bit. Um, so, who you want the Titans to take at twenty-five if they're taking an inside linebacker, and if that player's not there, who would be your second choice? So, I'm going to go Tremaine Edwards from Virginia Tech is my first choice, and uh, I'm going to go Jefferson with my second choice. Uh, I also want Edmonds, uh, and I'd take 
uh, Rashawn Evans, if not. And also, late in the rounds, I like Dorian O'Daniel and Sky Moore, who are better in coverage than everyone else. <laughs> um, okay, if I'm ta- I guess Leighton Van Der Esch would be my dude. Um, who be your In second? fact, uh, maybe uh Jannard Avery is somebody we didn't talk about who, but we should one day. He's super athletic, uh, really <laughs> aggressive, and can play. He, he's kind of like the like really athletic version of Rashawn Evans. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but he but he played at Memphis, so he didn't really play the same competition. So either Jannard Avery or Rashawn Evans, depending on if how aggressive I knew my defensive coordinator would be. So to recap, uh, we like the uniforms. Roquan Smith is really really good. The other inside linebackers have some flaws. Some are more exciting than others. Uh, our next episode, which will probably be out about a week from now, will be entirely dedicated to talking about pass rushers. We only spent about 45 minutes or so talking about the inside linebackers. We'll probably spend a full hour talking about the pass rushers just because, number one, there's still many of them. But number two, I think all three of us are in agreement that that's the position the Titans will likely target at, at the end of the first round. And there's just a lot to get to at that position. So look forward to that. Uh, thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. For Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Uh, we'll talk to everybody in about a week. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life. And the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com slash Goals24. That's Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply.